I'm speaking for the next few minutes with Ellen Rogers, who is the author of a marvelous book called Casey to the Rescue, the remarkable story of a monkey and a miracle. The heart and soul of this story is a, a tragic accident which uh, befalls uh, one of Ellen Rogers' sons and leaves him uh, paralyzed. And it is uh, a really heartwarming, inspiring story of the comeback which all of them make. Certainly this young man, Ned, and uh, his mother, his siblings, and ultimately a monkey named Casey, who comes into their lives and changes everything. <laughs> Not always for the best at first, but uh, ultimately, Casey, uh, a service animal, makes a gigantic difference in the life of, of Ned uh, as he seeks further recovery from his devastating injuries. It's an incredible story, and at many points, uh, hilariously funny. And uh, the book is published by Hyperion, and this is the first book by Ellen Rogers. Again, it's called Casey to the Rescue, The Remarkable Story of a Monkey and a Miracle. Ellen Rogers, we welcome you to The Morning Show. Thank you very much for having me. I guess, without too much further ado, we need to start with the uh, tragic mishap which befell uh, your son, Ned. Tell us what happened to him. It all starts with that phone call that every parent dreads. And I tell you, when it came uh, that afternoon, uh, I was frozen. The phone rang, I picked it up, and there was uh, a woman on the phone that said, are you Edward Sullivan's mother? And I just could tell by the, her voice that our world was never going to be the same again. And she said that my son had been in a terrible accident, and I needed to come now. And all I could think of was, now I'm in Boston, and my son was out in Tucson, where he was a senior at the University of Arizona. And I was, I, I was like, but now? And she said, no, you have to come immediately. So I sat there, and I was just shaking, and I, I, did, I couldn't believe that this was happening. And I, I didn't know what I was going to do. And thank God, my maternal instinct kicked in, and I was able to throw back my shoulders, literally grab my purse and my car keys, and jump in the car uh, to get to the airport because I had to be there. And you tell us the story of uh, of uh, some kindness which was shown to you, oh. which uh, which helped you get there in more timely fashion than would have been possible. Well, well <laughs> it was really it was a. There have been many, many people along our journey who have showed us the most incredible kindnesses and compassion, and we're so very grateful for them. You early in the book say, I consider myself something of a tragedy snob. What do you mean by those words? Unfortunately, but in many respects, it's obviously, you know, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger, I guess. Um, we've, I've had, and our family has had um, um, many very sad and tragic things that has happened to us. So I've sort of been, I, I guess I thought I was steeled, you know, and I, I was able to take on anything. My father had died when I was only 24, and literally we had to have our wedding in his hospital. And then my, that, my husband, Ted, 
uh, after only a few years of our being married, and in fact, when our children, Megan and Ned, were very, very, very little, he passed away from cancer. And then I was fortunate enough to get remarried again, and we, I had three more beautiful children, and my, my husband at the time had two girls, but unfortunately one of the girls, Mindy, um, got melanoma, and it was very, it was terrible. She was only 22, and she passed away uh, within four months of uh, learning that she had it. So, you know, that was pretty horrible, and then we unfortunately got a divorce, but I had felt that we were rebuilding our lives. My children and I were really uh, trying very hard to sort of come to grips with all of these things and these tragedies that happened to us. But I still wasn't prepared to find my son in the devastating condition that I found him in when I got out to Arizona. You were told by the doctors that almost nobody survives the kind of devastating injuries that your son had suffered, uh, injuries which all but decapitated him. That's, you know, it's true. And from the get-go, from the moment that I got there, I was told to expect no functional recovery at all. And in fact, really, we, it was moment to moment with, with Ned for several weeks. Um, and, you know, he had C1, C2 of his, of his neck. He had severe brain injury from the car accident, which was a single car accident at like 10 o'clock in the morning. And there's, we don't really know what happened. And thank God, really, Ned doesn't remember either. I, it would, I can't even imagine how horrific it must have been for him. And the, between the, the, uh, the devastating injuries and, and what had happened to him, it was just not expected that he was going to ever be able to breathe on his own, talk, uh, eat, and certainly not move whatsoever. Hmm. The, uh, when he is finally conscious, uh, the only way to communicate with him is with the blinking of his eyes. That's right. Uh, one, one blink for yes and two blinks for no. And, you know, he lived that way, and we all had to, we learned how to try to talk with him with, in this language of blink um, for many months. And I myself could not imagine having being in a, in a situation where you couldn't move, you couldn't scream, you couldn't yell, you couldn't talk, you couldn't tell anybody how you felt, and it was just awful for him. Hmm. You tell us that that first question posed to him was, "Ned, do you know your mom is here?" And he blinked. And you write, "Best <laughs> blink, blink ever." It was the best blink ever. And I'll tell you later, many months later, when finally, it was a miracle, he began to talk when he said, hi, mom. It was the best hi, mom ever. Hmm. One of the things you tell us uh, about uh, your son, Ned, is that um, he was a very energetic, rambunctious child who became eventually a very fine athlete. He was also somebody uh, saddled with attention deficit disorder, with some learning disabilities, and a seizure disorder. Yeah. I wonder if you could tell us uh, about that reality uh, in the wake of this accident, that what kind of a difference for good or for ill did some of these matters make, or 
were those sort of wiped away by the effects oh, of this accident? Oh, no. You know, I think I've often, I often think about this. You know, he had to work extra hard to, to be able to do well in school because of his ADD and because of his learning issues. And he had developed a lot of strategies, even as a very little boy, in order for him to be able to be successful, particularly successful with his sports. And he loved those sports so much. So he learned how to overcome those, those, those uh, perhaps limits that were, he had. Um, and I think though, that, that those strategies that he learned even then as a young man, a little boy, uh, helped him even today. Because he, you know, this is a this is a kid that while you know, but it was a horrible, horrible time for him. Once he actually was after the ventilator, he was able to breathe over the ventilator, which every doctor that we talked to said was never going to happen. I think that he began to see after some very dark moments that he could persevere. He could start to overcome some of these issues, and he has. It's just remarkable. Hmm. We're speaking with Ellen Rogers, and we're talking about her book, Casey to the Rescue, the remarkable story of a monkey and a miracle. I want to say one of the things I appreciated about your book is that um, we are more than 100 pages into the book, and it's not a huge book, before uh, this monkey named Casey uh, actually enters the picture, and I'm. I really think that's that's a, 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 a wise decision on your part to make sure that we fully understood who uh, your son was, who your family was, the reality of what he was confronting, all of you confronting, before this monkey named Casey uh, enters the picture. Was that a, a very conscious decision on your part to craft the book this way? Well, yes, it was, and I'll tell you why. First of all, if you notice that there are a couple places where we will begin a chapter that sort of refers to primates or monkeys along the way. And for a lot of reasons, though, we wanted to make sure the reader understood that this book certainly has this wonderful monkey in it. But it, at first and foremost, it's a story really of family and our family's love and determination to overcome this challenge. So we felt it was, I, you know, felt very strongly that we, I wanted to have our readers know about who my kids were, my wonderful children. I wanted them to know about Ned. I wanted them to see how, what our family was all about. And I also learned something very important from Helping Hands, Monkey Helpers for the Disabled, who donated the monkey to us, that it takes a very long time, up to, you know, certainly a year before a family even has any idea about the ramifications of having somebody who is a quadriplegic with brain injury in their home. And it's a very wise thing on their part, because if it had been up to me, I would have had that monkey, you know, in five minutes to, to be there with Ned. But they felt very strongly, and they do feel very strongly, that a family needs to work things out at their home before they can introduce a monkey to the uh, equation. You uh, were working with an organization called Helping Hands, which uh, has, uh, I think, various service animals, correct? Nope, they just do, they only have monkeys. They, oh, just they, monkeys. They, okay. Yes, and uh, if people are interested, it's a very, it's a wonderful nonprofit that happens to be, fortunately for us, it's located right here in Boston, 
and the Monkey College is here where the monkeys are trained. began about 31 years ago with a grant from the Veterans Administration um, and Boston University to do research on whether or not it was possible that monkeys could, could provide assistance to people with assistance to people with spinal cord injuries, and it's evolved over the years. And they've placed nearly 150 monkeys with recipient, recipients over the last 30 years. Hmm. You write at one point, I was and still am an unapologetic autocrat when it comes to screening and training these people who work intimately with Ned and are woven into the fabric of our family. So I suppose I should have expected a vigorous shakedown from the monkey college, but the huge packet of paperwork took me by surprise. You'd think I was applying for a job with the CIA, I said to Megan. When she came over to help me with the imposing stack of forms. They uh, were interested in knowing everything about you and the family and the home. And when it came time for the first uh, face-to-face interview, uh, you were desperately anxious to uh, make as positive an impression as you possibly could. Oh, yes, absolutely. And seriously, I, I, you know, it's really saying something when you're worried that uh, your house is going to be too crazy for even a monkey to live in. But we were. I have these two dogs who are absolutely crazy dogs. They're being very good right now while we're on the phone. But they bark and they yap, and then, of course, I have these four other children and all of their assorted friends, and then... We were building, I was trying to build a, a new room for Ned, so there was carpenters and painters and plasterers, and, and, and plus we had all of these various nurses or aides or nursing assistants that were in and out of the house all the time. So I was a little worried that, uh, that uh, the monkey organization would, would uh, take one look at our house and go, whoa, this is really crazy, and take off. But they didn't, hmm. and they actually selected and uh, specifically trained Casey, uh, who is a very social monkey and really actually enjoys people and lots of things going on to match with our family. One of the most interesting moments had to be when when the woman uh, you spoke to at Helping Hands said, let's set up a date to bring Casey over and start training the family. Yeah. And, of course, I think a lot of people would assume you know, that primarily the training would go in the other direction. It was Casey the monkey who would be trained. But, in yeah. fact, it was probably in some ways even more important for you to be trained. Well, it is. A monkey is a very sophisticated animal. And uh, she had already been trained and had graduated from Monkey College very successfully. She's a very smart monkey. So she had been trained to do a lot of the, ta- you know, many, many, many tasks. The thing is, a monkey isn't, let's face it, is just not like a little dog. I mean, the minute you see your puppy, the puppy licks your face and your best friends for life, not so much with a monkey. Monkeys are all about trust and all about respect and they have a very, very sophisticated hierarchy that they want to be in and they want to establish. So when Casey first came to our house, she first of all had to understand the existing hierarchy here. And that's pretty crazy with all these people that were running around. So then she would watch and we, you know, she paid very close attention to what was going on. And then once she kind of figured out our hierarchy, she then had to establish herself in that hierarchy. And uh, listen, she's a diva. She is at the top of our hierarchy at this point in time. She rules the roost around here. Hmm. One of the things that had to be disconcerting for you, especially at first, was how complicated your instructions were regarding Casey. That's right. in, In matters like her diet. Yes. 
her, it wasn't just her diet, although, for God's sake, she eats seven meals a day. And she has to be bathed a couple times a week. She has to have her nails done, and she's got to have her cage clean, and she's got to have her papers changed, and she's got to be groomed. It's a lot of work to have a monkey. It's really a lot like having a three-year-old in your house. Well, and, and you you were instructed to be very, very careful with all of the specifics. I mean, like, for instance, with the food, exactly how to prepare it and exactly when to serve it and so on. Well, and, no, it's, it, and, and the thing is, I was so busy with trying to take care of Nat and to get these, you know, nurses' aides or whatever we were, you know, PCAs, and I had all these kids that were also needing me very much, too. They wanted me to, you know, take them places as I, they should or help them with their homework or, you know, whatever. And there I was saying, oh, really sorry, guys, I've got to, you know, give the monkey a bath in the kitchen sink. So it was hard at first. I, I have to say it was very hard. And because it took her and, and, and Ned quite a long time, I mean, several months, which apparently is very normal, but for it just seemed to be so long uh, for the two of them to really start to bond. While she was wonderful with all of her um, tasks that she did, which she does for rewards, that, you know, there was no love between them for quite some time. It's interesting, though, one of the first uh, positive things you saw was or was when you were told that uh, little Casey loved to watch television and would want to watch it with Ned. And, of course, that would be his primary means of entertainment. And you said now your son had a companion in front of the TV set, a small thing of huge importance. And, you know, that's one of the hallmarks of this story is that it's full of things that we might say are small things of huge importance. I know it. And let me tell you, these small things make his life uh, a happy life. He wakes up in the morning, and there she is, and he you know, calls over, Morning, Casey, and she peep, peep, right back, back at him. And then when he goes to bed at night, he says, Night, night, Casey, and she makes her little purring special sound. It's, it is a lot of small things, but they're small things that make his whole life have a quality to it that he wouldn't be able to have before. What are some of the specific tasks uh, which Casey has uh, learned to do on behalf of Ned? When, when she first came here, she's been trained to do many, many things, but when she first came here, Ned was not able to move his right arm pretty much at all. His left arm had a little bit of movement, as did his left fingers, just a tiny bit of movement in them. And so she was trained to do things like fetch the remote control, uh, get fetch his phone, which at that time actually he wasn't using, but um, to, fat, to scratch an itch on his head, um, to turn the pages of a book, to put a CD in a CD player, to bring him a bottle of water, put a straw in it, and bring the straw up to his mouth. Uh, if his arm, he spasm, spinal cord injured people often spasm involuntarily. And when he would spasm, sometimes his arm, one of his arms would fall off the uh, armrest of the wheelchair. And she would scamper right over and pick that arm up and put it right back on the armrest without being told. Mm. Um, she's, she was, she's very smart and very intuitive. Now, as time has gone by, my son, again, it's been a miracle, has gotten a tremendous amount of movement back. He now can move both his right arm and his left arm and all of his fingers. He can type on the computer. He can text his friends. 
And Casey has helped a tremendous amount along the way. She's provided him with something that's natural occupational therapy. It's not, the, you know, going to a gym and, and lifting weights or practicing with rubber bands. He wanted to pet her. He wanted to love her and stroke her. And the both are his doctors as well as the occupational therapists at the, at the rehab hospital that we go to believe that that kind of natural occupational therapy is a million times greater than any amount of work that you can do in a gym. So now that Ned is a lot better in terms of doing, you know, using his hands and arms, she doesn't have to do those jobs she did for him in the beginning, although she will if he needs her to. If I'm out and he's, he's, he's tightened up and he can't get the bottle of water, she will certainly go get it. But the most important thing she does for him today, there's two things. First thing is, let's face it, he is alone a lot. I mean, maybe there's people around, but his friends have all gone. He's 27 now. His friends have moved on. They've moved to the West Coast or New York. They have jobs. They have careers. They have families now. And he's, you know, he's here with his mom and his siblings and the two crazy dogs. So Casey fills a giant void in his life, someone for him to hang with, and she's because she's so com- complex and so intelligent and, and really fascinating to um, observe, it gives him something to really um, lighten, not only lighten his day, but to intellectually think about working with her. It's really good for him. And the second wonderful thing that she does is she seems to be able to understand when he is in pain and when, he see- when she sees him in pain, she will run over to him and curl up in a ball and lie down on whatever. I don't know how she knows this, but she she seems to know where that pain is, and she lies down on top of that area and just lies very still. Hmm. And as she does this, little by little, you can see the pain leave my son's face, and then the brow starts to unwrinkle. Little, a tiny little smile comes on his face, and the next thing you know, he's feeling so much better. The book is full of entertaining adventures and misadventures uh, that uh, we will leave to our readers to uh, to read about. Also, uh, some really uh, interesting discussion about the other kids in the family yeah. and, and how complicated that whole matter uh, has I know. been. Yeah. And, you know, we're getting a lot of people coming um, emailing me and coming on Facebook and stuff that are telling me that they're 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 like they're teenagers. They're like fourteen year olds up to like thirty years old are just totally enthralled with this because they get they see what it, you know. We go, wow, what it must have been like to have lived through all this as young, you know, as as teenagers. Well, of course, and that wasn't exactly my target audience when I was writing the book, but as we sort as I sort of started to write more and more and more about the kids, and I, my, my kids, of course, are reading it along the way, I, be, I began to realize this is really, ha, this crosses all ages and genders, and it's a, it's a, a story that I think many people will feel uh, a real connection with. Absolutely. I want to finish by uh, actually not talking about Ned, but his brother, Jake, oh. who uh, is... Um, Sounds like a fine young man and also a superb athlete who unfortunately suffered a very, very serious uh, knee injury 
uh, his uh, ACL was torn, and that uh, ended his season and really uh, his football career pretty much yeah. was was over at at, at that point. Um, as you talk with him, and of course the 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 tragedy which had befallen his his brother helped helped Jake to keep this misfortune of his own in perspective. But he also had such an interesting observation about your motherhood in a sense yeah. and how because of of Ned's accident how that had played out in a sense in complete reverse from what is normally the case could you just say a word about this observation that your well, other son you know, made? when he said this to me he, he calls it upside down mothering because when they were all little I was working full-time I was never home I was never present and now they're all older and now I'm microscopically involved in all of their lives, and I'm ever-present. So we call it upside-down mothering around here. <laughs> the way things have played yeah, out. It's, very it's like very strange that, I, that this has all happened the way that it has. But it is, uh, my children have been just so amazing, and my family, and it's, uh, it's been a, a, a difficult journey, but one which we all feel that we've come out better for on the other side of it. And right at the heart of it all is this amazing monkey named and Casey. She is indeed, and I and would love to have the, your readers go see uh, a lot of pictures of the Casey and some cute, really, really wonderful videos that are up on our website, which is caseytotherescue.com, and they can learn more about Helping Hands uh, at their website, which is monkeyhelpers.org. Very good. And the book, again, is called Casey to the Rescue, The Remarkable Story of a Monkey and a Miracle. It's published by Hyperion, the author, Ellen Rogers. Ellen Rogers, my thanks to you for joining me today on The Morning Show. Best wishes to you and everyone in your family, and especially best wishes to Ned and Casey. Oh, thank you so much.